Welcome, everybody. Your complaints have been heard. We've been off the air too long. This is all about Symbian Insight Podcast number 237, recording this on Friday, the 3rd of May, 2013. Thanks for missing us. We have uh, Mr. Rafe Blanford on the line. Hello, everybody. I'm, of course, Steve Litchfield. We're going to get through a load of stories on the site. Our last podcast was uh, April 12th, I think, so that's a good three weeks or so. Let's start with the probably the, the hallelujah moment, Rafe. This is uh, Bell Feature Factory <laughs> Devices including the 808, of course, have got a 3G network fix. This thing's about 20 kilobytes, kilobytes, tiny little patch. Um, the, the problem with the 808 in 3G and 3.5G areas was, as I understand it, that there's a lot of complex electronics goes on. When, when, a, when a phone swaps between different cells, all of the, the, the RF aerials and the electronics and the software have to coordinate the handover from cell to cell if different cells have different capabilities, like 3G, 3.5G, 2G, there's all sorts of um, specialist modes that have to be switched between. Now, on the 808 in particular, switching those different modes could, under some circumstances, cause a complete device crash. The screen goes blank, the lights at the bottom stay on, and you basically have to pull the battery. Now, Nokia at first, for the first six months, was saying, OK, we know it's a problem under certain circumstances. Bring it into a Nokia care point. We have a new capacitor that we sold off the motherboard, and that solves the problem. But happily, <laughs> rather than everyone with an 808 having to take it back to a Nokia CarePoint, uh, you can now just download this small patch. And I presume, Rafe, it's to do with clever software and changing the timeouts when certain you know, routines look for a certain mode, just allowing a bit more leeway so that the particular issue here just doesn't rear its ugly head at all. Uh, I, I could pretend to be a complete expert on network issues and configurations, but honestly, I'm not. So, yes, I think you're right here. Uh, you know, when you talk about smartphones, you know, people just assume you bung a radio in. It's a bit like connecting a, a modem, you know, the traditional modem that dialed up or maybe a ADSL modem or a cable modem. But actually, it is a little more complicated than that. There are quite a few variables that can be tuned. I mean, people might not realize this, but in different operator variants of firmwares, there's actually uh, tens, even potentially at least a um, hundred or so settings that can be tuned to make it work a certain way on a network. And as you say, it's to do with the signaling and timeouts and all those kind of things. And as I say, I'm not an expert on it, so some of that may not be entirely accurate, but just sort of take it as read that there's a lot of configuration options. What's probably going on here is some of those have been tweaked or there could be, you know, the phone software being changed to look for certain types of conditions or do some extra checking you know Nokia obviously gathered information about when this bug occurs and it might be that in the software they can spot that and sort of make the phone do something extra and I would imagine it's you know doing some extra power consumption maybe you know when you're in this state between the switching between 2G and 3G you know do some extra checks or do some extra call outs to the network and you know that's fixed it. Um, I never came across this too frequently just because I wasn't going from 2G to 3G areas with my 808 regularly, although I did, it did happen a few times to me. But I've spoken to a couple of people who have installed this update and who, you know, regularly switch in and out these areas. And I think it was a real pain for those who lived on the, on the boundaries. I mean, if you lived in a big city, you have 3G a lot of the time, not an issue. But if you live on the outskirts, maybe <laughs> it can be a problem. And they said that after installing this update, they've had, um, no, more reboots which is one of the symptoms of this particular problem um, or not going dead so it looks like the 3g uh, woes of 808 owners are over which is great news and a good example of how even a tiny update as you say just a couple of kilobytes can fix what is probably the most irritating problem with the 808. 
Yes, and it's also worth saying this is applicable to the, all the Bell Feature Pack 1, Feature Pack 2 smartphones, the Nokia 700 and 7012. So even if you haven't had a, a particular issue, um, install the patch. It's tiny, it installs in seconds, and hey, it may stop you having a, a problem in the future. It's worth noting all the different comments on our story on the site. Uh, loads and loads of people now saying they've gone days and days and days without a single problem uh, going in and out of different weak and strong signal areas. So it looks like we can really draw a line under this issue now, especially on the 808. And uh, yeah, software saves the day, which is very good news. Yeah, I mean, it did scare me in a way, this, Steve, that you know, a simple software update can solve what appeared to be a hardware problem. As you say, there was this fix in the Nokia service centers. But I think it's actually a pretty good example of just how complex developing these phones are and how even something relatively small can have, you know, a bug, which honestly is a fairly major thing. Um, and I suspect if this had been, you know, a mainstream device, there might have been uh, some kind of recall or perhaps even uh, the fix would have got issued more quickly. But let's be thankful the fix has come out. As I say, just a, a timely reminder, perhaps, that these phones that we use all, all, all the time are incredibly complex and the engineering that goes into them and the software that goes into them. Um, as I say, I, I'm not an expert on this. And we've tried to explain it, but just you know a, a moment's reflection to kind of admire the fact that all this technology does sometimes work it's easy to take it for granted absolutely uh, moving on this the platform that won't die the symbian uh, new home screen widgets um five fairly major widgets available for all again feature pack one and feature pack two smartphones so the 808 701 700 etc um Here's the rundown. Five new widgets. WebView, which is something that came out in Beta Labs um, earlier this year and then got withdrawn. Basically gives you a window onto a live website and it refreshes whenever you bring up that home screen. There's a mirror widget, so presumably so people can uh, use the front-facing cameras and you know, check where their makeup's on, right? Uh, Raven, no. <laughs> um, there's a, a toggle flashlight, so the, as it sounds, it just turns the LED on and off, which you can do with the hardware toggle uh, lock switch on the side of most Symbian's, modern Symbian smartphones, but this is instant. You don't, don't have to wait the five seconds. There's a stopwatch utility, which is always useful and saves you having a separate third-party application. And contacts communication, which is basically an improved version of the old, here's your favorite contact on the screen, tap it for options. Now you can tap it to go directly to calling them or directly to messaging them. So uh, I guess, Rafe, the first point is that the, it's a pretty useful widget upgrade this late in the day for Symbian for the, the feature pack two devices. And also, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever why these five widgets, at least, can't come to the older devices like, like Bell Refresh in a future update as well. That That's true. I, I mean, we can never tell with these updates how they roll out. I mean, I can remember seeing some of these widgets quite a long time ago, kind of effectively on prototype devices or sort of test software. And I kind of always wondered whether some of them would make it. Uh, I think some of them are more useful than others. Um, the WebView widget, it's an interesting one. I did try it out myself, but in the end, I decided it wasn't that helpful uh, because there were some you know, limitations in it. Uh, similarly, the Mirror widget, um, I, I guess I'm probably not in the target audience for that. Uh, maybe uh, people uh, who do a little bit more styling and a little more concerned about such things find great. But I did like the toggle flashlight widget, although it's sort of you, you can pull down the lock key and it does five seconds. You know, this is a bit quicker. And sometimes when you're using your phone, it's actually, you know, go to the home screen, one tap uh, and you're there. So that's actually the one that's made it onto my 808. Uh, I don't really have a use for a stopwatch. I'm not doing any circuit training or anything like that. But I was pleased to see this update to the contacts widget because it, it, it kind of works in the way I'd expect it to now. And it's a little bit more useful. Um, so, yeah, it's always good to see some extra widgets. It makes the home screen more useful. I guess uh, some of these people will have got through uh, 
using custom firmware or through getting them through other sources but it's great obviously to get these through an official update so that everybody can enjoy them um, whether they'll come to the older devices i'm not sure uh, webview widget may actually require um, some extra punch in the processing so it might not come across but i would have thought things like mirror and flashlight there's no reason they shouldn't come across and context communication again don't know on that one because it's some of the apis it's using but uh, entirely possible so we'll just have to wait and see on that front i did notice in the comments to the story uh again on the site all about symbian.com that uh, people had i think posted a link to where people had extracted the sis files from the update and you can try and um applying them to the older devices like the e7 and n8 with success so uh, yes uh, and that will work i mean the only note of caution i'd add to that is obviously they haven't been tested on those devices so there could be yeah. some unforeseen side effects but if you're happy enough experimenting if something goes wrong it's easy enough to to uninstall them afterwards so i mean for anyone listening to this podcast they're more than capable of making that decision for themselves and honestly i think it's probably a, a safe bet to do so yeah so if you had these this widget updates to the wi-fi youtube and gallery updates to the telephony updates the calendar updates over the last two or three months we've got some fairly major platform enhancements all delivered by sw update to devices like the 808 and the 701 and it's I, I i contend rafe that symbian is actually still alive i guess we won't know exactly without seeing inside the minds of accenture's lawyers exactly when the money's going to stop flowing in and they'll be stop uh, obligated to keep on working but at the moment without anything major to do they're happily pro programming away on all these little ideas and patches and fixes and all the things that they've been putting off for months they're still getting done now well, it, it, ironically, in a way, you're actually seeing more updates coming through. And I suspect that's because some of the pressure on doing any new development or certain fixes has gone away. And so there's time to do these things that have probably been sitting on someone's to-do list. And as I said, you know, some of these yeah. widgets have been around for a while. And so you're getting around to release. It may also be that some of the, you know, controls on terms of doing releases have been lessened somewhat, um, you know, because these are all updates that people have to choose to install themselves rather than going out in new firmware i mean if all of these updates were part of a new firmware that would have to be not more thoroughly tested but there was extra procedures to go through yeah. but these are all sort of being installed basically at the user's discretion uh, and so i suspect there may be I, i'm not saying they're not being tested or anything like that i, I just think you know the developers and the team sending out these updates are probably a bit freer to operate than they were when there was the formal structure it, it's not unusual for this to happen when sort of you know software development winds down and obviously there's a, a, a team back there doing dedicated work doing a really good job and um, like you say there's no real way of knowing how long this will go on there's no uh, public details on the Nokia Accenture contract it would seem likely to me that um, it will certainly go for a little bit longer uh, based on what Nokia have said, you know, about public support. Um, they've said to 2016, now that doesn't necessarily mean software development and releases, that's in terms of getting support for your phone if it goes wrong when you go into a, a Nokia service centre uh, and some of the warranty yeah. stuff. And because um, I think globally uh, there are, you know, laws in place that you have to have um, support for two years after you sell a product. And I suspect what's going to happen is the last Symbian devices will probably be sold sometime in 2014. The numbers are going down now, but as stock gets cleared out and the last things go, it may well be, you know, 2014 when the last one sort of officially gets sold. And obviously it then needs two years from there. I, I suspect the sort of support in terms of Accenture software updates may start to trickle down in certainly the latter half of this year. But as I say, I don't have any you know official confirmed information on that.
you have to wonder what the guys at Accenture are going to be doing through the summer and through the latter part of the year. If they're, they're obligated to put X number of hours per week, uh, an X number of um, people working on, on Symbian until the end of this year, what, what wild and wacky widgets <laughs> and updates might they come up with? So. Well, well, that's why, I mean, I think it will start tailing off a little bit because I'm trying to think of anything that I heard about or saw or saw that hasn't come out yet. And uh, honestly, I, I'm struggling, but there's probably scope for, you know, a few more bug fixes, uh, things like making sure Bluetooth works with certain cars and other things like that, which could well uh, come out in time. Um, I can't think of any major, you know, uh, bug issues that I've come across, but that doesn't really mean very much because a lot of the bugs that come out don't affect an individual, or even, you know, they happen in a certain market under a certain operator. So I imagine they'll get, they'll get fixed. And it is the summer coming up and a, a, a lot of the uh, Accenture staff working on the Symbian stuff are based in Finland. And actually traditionally they do have a sort of a week, uh, sorry, a month or so off in the summer, sometimes a bit longer. Uh, that was always a, an issue actually with Symbian development. Things used to not exactly grind to a halt uh, for six weeks of the year during the summer. Uh, that that culture, to be fair, started to go away a little bit in Finland and in Nokia and in, I would assume also in Accenture. So, you know, don't get too excited about what will happen, you know, you know during July and August. But hey, there's, you know, May and June to go. Uh, and who knows? Um, please keep up the good work, guys. Absolutely. And if you want to look at my testimony on how good the 808 is in particular, with all these updates in place, read the article on the site one year on, and the 808, the ultimate Symbian smartphone, is even better. Basically reflecting on the fact that the device 808, as it shipped originally, was obviously missing a few bits and pieces here and there, and we, we forgave it all for the great camera. Now we've got the great camera and all the missing bits and pieces and the fully working gallery, etc., etc., and it doesn't crash. So do go read, go read the piece. It's got 178 comments as we, as we record this. So uh, hopefully a well-received well, well piece. Um, let's move on with another, this is a new story that was uh, also quite controversial. Um, no more new Symbian themes in the Nokia store after July the 1st. Now that's slightly misleading. I, I, I take full responsibility. Yes. The yes, headline, right? he's been writing like a tabloid writer it's horrifying <laughs> um, but i wanted to focus on the symbian aspect and the fact that uh, in this case i suspect i'm actually right there won't be any more symbian themes after july the first nokia are basically saying they're clamping down on um, theme quality across the board that series 40 symbian and windows phone from july the first only quote select partners can publish new theme content which basically means some of the bigger companies that they're they're in bed with the small independent theme producers who have been so uh, active in the Symbian community. It looks like they've been left out in the cold. Um, I suspect, therefore, that July the 1st will be the cutoff point. It doesn't mean that themes aren't available. Every single commercial and free theme released up to July the 1st will still be available. And let's face it, we have already have, what is it, 10,000 themes? Right? There uh, isn't least, a shortage yes. of choice. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. This I can kind of understand why Nokia has done this. I mean, themes have always been a little bit problematic because of the copyright issue involved, particularly with images and things like that. And Nokia obviously takes on a certain amount of responsibility yeah. when it's distributing in its store. And I, I'm not beginning to suggest that, you know, some of the great theme producers um, are breaking the law or doing that sort of thing, but there are always kind of bad, bad eggs around. Uh, and so it's a real shame for some of the really professional theme producers many of whom we featured on the site and know quite well who are now being blocked from uploading you know new themes but as you say there's old stuff available that's great and i mean actually looking at some of the ten thousand plus themes that are available in the store a lot of them are of pretty poor quality um so you know i can understand from a, a high view why 
Nokia made this decision. Like yeah. you, I, I'd be surprised if there's going to be new theme content being created for Symbian. I think it will keep on happening for the Series 40 and the other devices because they are still one of the you know most downloaded parts of Nokia's store, you know, the actual content. Um, but yeah, kind of the end of an era, I guess. And the way this communi- was communicated was actually, I, I almost had a bigger problem with this. It just, you know, if you don't like it, you can withdraw your content, which was rather an abrupt way of dealing with it. And I think perhaps a, a little more maybe nuanced communication with some of the big <laughs> theme producers. You know, you could look at the download yeah. logs and see who's, you know, producing really good ones and maybe encourage them to keep doing so. Um, of course, with, with all that said, you don't have to download them through the Nokia store. You can get them through the theme producers' websites. Uh, I suspect that does mean, sadly, for the theme producers, they won't get as many downloads because, you know, obviously people find it easier to download through the Nokia store. You know, the dedicated fellow is no problem. You can go off to their website, but um, a lot of the kind of casual downloaders will disappear. But yes, people were asking in the comments, you know, is this kind of uh, Nokia knifing Symbian in the back? I think that's rather an exaggeration. I mean... Nokia does did have that already to... two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. Uh, you know, Nokia does have to deal with the fact that they are ramping down Symbian activities. There's no point in pretending otherwise. And, you know, that means you have to kind of consider all the operations involved in that. And just as we've talked about, you know, Accenture activity getting less and obviously you no know, new devices coming out, you then have to extend that into Nokia's door and other areas as well. You know, I, I can tell you right now there are less Nokia care experts who are familiar with and able to deal with Symbian queries than there were a year ago and even less than the two years before that. And this is another aspect of it. Um, I'd be far more concerned if this was something like apps because there's still, you know, as we know, active app development going on as we've talked about. But I don't think that will happen. That will continue to be supported for a while. Um, and so while you sort of grumble about this, I, I fail to get too wound up about it, I'm afraid. Yeah, absolutely. You can you can sideload these theme SIS files either from the developer's website, from a theme compilation website, or even from all about Symbian, because I do tend to archive my favorite themes from time to time and put up links. So uh, <laughs> things will carry on as they have been for, for decades, Ray, sideloading <laughs> this content and irrespective of what the manufacturer supports or doesn't support. That, that, um, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, I, I mentioned apps there and being concerned that if they disappeared, and actually there's a good example of a, a great new app that's come out that I know caught your eye and certainly caught my eye this week, uh, especially for those who like reading on their phones. Erudite Book Reader. Now, you wouldn't guess from Erudite, maybe, what is actually a Kindle client. Uh, not quite a client. It's more it ties into the Kindle Cloud Reader, which is something Amazon have done. So basically, you don't need a, a physical Kindle application on a smartphone like an iPhone, or you don't need a physical Kindle gadget to read Kindle books. If you, as long as you've got an account and you bought the content, you can log into basically any website and use their Kindle Cloud Reader, sign in through, sign in through that. You've then got access to your books, reading them online. And then if you can do that, why not do that through a web browser on Symbian? Now, it doesn't work, as I understand it, with the, the basic web browser on Symbian, but using this Erudite book reader client, um, it basically puts a, a shell around it, signs you into the, um, the Kindle system automatically, and basically manages the downloading of books so that you can read them offline, all in a kind of web browser interface. Because it's uh, using a, a web browser, um, a, a cute web browser instance, if you like, and you're limited by the, the, the web fonts provided by Amazon to mobile devices. It is a bit fiddly, and some of the buttons and controls, they do take accurate tapping. But the, the, the eventual result is that you get to read your Amazon ebooks, uh, your Kindle 
um, content actually on a Symbian device, which is not something I thought we'd see in, in, in 2013. Did you try this, Rafe? I, I did try this because I'm a big Kindle user. Um, I actually have a couple of Kindle devices, so I tend not to use my mobile device. I like it enough that I'll actually carry a, a Kindle device with me, but I couldn't resist this particular one. As you say, it's using this uh, Kindle Cloud Reader, and what they're doing is it's actually the uh, cute WebKit component that's being used, and I suspect they're maybe spoofing the user agent, and so Amazon thinks it's actually coming from another device rather than the, the Symbian browser which it would say ah you're not compatible with this so it it is good it does work it is a bit of a, a hack and a workaround but hey um, you're actually able to read your Amazon Kindle content on your Symbian device where this does come in quite handy is if like me you've got a Kindle device that you use elsewhere be it you know an iPad or an actual dedicated Kindle device uh, if you're using the sync feature and that's when you're connected to you know the internet and that can be via wi-fi or via 3g depending on what device you're using uh, it will actually sync your kind of last read location as you read a book when you then sign into this you get that same kind of sync information so you can actually keep on reading where you left off read it for even if it's just 15 minutes maybe on a train journey or on a bus journey on your symbian device it will then sync that back to the kind of the kindle cloud and then when you start reading on your kindle device again it should uh, sync to the most recently read page and so you can kind of read a book on multiple devices and not have to go hunting for the page number it didn't always work for me when trying it uh, subsequently it did seem to work um, i actually need to do a bit more testing on this because it is something i would uh, personally use for that um, so it was kind of nice to see this and i think you said in the story that this was rather than being a polished solution it was a labor of love i think that's a great way of describing it yeah. but um it, you know if you do read uh, kindle books at all and want to get it onto your symbian device well, not only is this a good way to do it, it's the only way to do it as far as I'm aware. Yeah, and I was very glad to see a dark-themed option so that on the AMOLED screen devices like the, the N8 and the 808 and the E7, for example, you can run the whole ebook reading experience with a dark theme and save a vast amount of battery power. So well done to the developer there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's always nice to, to see that and the developers being pretty responsive to uh, feedback and comments and I'm sure there was more updates to come. A couple more quick software updates. Um, swipe for Symbian. No, no, they haven't um, rewritten it. It's still the same old Swipe for Symbian we've had for a couple of years now. But they have been fixing up certificates and adding new language packs. Uh, so I guess uh, the, the Swipe people, or certainly Nokia's Swipe fans over there, um, have been uh, updating it so that it's at least usable for most people most of the time. Now, I have been trying this Swipe build. We've put the link up to, onto the uh, download page on the site. I've been trying it on the 808 for the last two or three weeks. And I've been quite impressed, Rafe. Now, I know I haven't been a Swipe um, user in the past and a big fan, but that's because we had a proper auto-correction system built into um, Symbian Bell, Symbian Bell Feature Pack 1. When they brought out the Feature Pack 2 keyboard, which didn't auto-correct, it relied on you spotting the fact that you'd spot something wrong and tapping on the correction above the keyboard, which was a right pain. I thought there's got to be a better way of doing this. I thought, well, let's try Swipe. At least that does um, auto-prediction, auto-correction, and does everything admittedly via the, the swiping system and on the portrait system the 808 i've been getting used to it and getting some pretty decent results so it doesn't work in the conversation view and messaging there are a couple of times in email where the email wouldn't scroll underneath the swipe keyboards and i've been stuck thinking, oh, i want to see further down the screen so but with a couple of glitches i've been quite impressed now certainly if anyone like me is frustrated with the bell feature pack 2 keyboard as not doing quite what they wanted then i still think swipe is actually a valid way to go and at least it's now fully certificated so that people can download it without any warnings 
Yeah, well, I think you said it there. If you're frustrated with the sort of standard keyboard, this is well worth experimenting. I mean, my view on sort of alternative keyboard or input methods is you'll always get used to the one that you're using and, you know, people will become, you know, keen on one over the other, a fan of one or the other, if you like. Um, and I think actually you can find that humans are pretty adaptable. And so will, you know, once they start using one and start trying it, they go, oh, actually, this is quite good. And there are certain characteristics of any input, you know, which way do you prefer a, a keyboard to do autocorrect or, you know, do you prefer sliding your finger over or doing multi-tap or tap on the screen and all those kind of things. Um, it's clearly true to say that you can get better and worse keyboards. And I actually think the ones that are best tend to be a mixture between, um, you know, intelligence, but then also having a good target area. And the thing about swipe is I think it's got great intelligence. Um, it doesn't always, for me, have the best target area. What I mean by that is you can actually have intelligence in how big the target area when you're hitting a key. So, you know, you're typing away with your thumbs or your fingers. And I, what, what the best keyboards do is adjust the size of the target area. So if you take type something like S, it knows that you're more likely to be typing a letter T next. And so it increases the side, size of the T rather than, say, a Z or something else like that. Um, but yes, it's a, a nice implementation of this and it's you know kind of fixing some of the problems you know that um, Swipe had before with certificates running out and all of that. So yeah, it, it's worth checking out if you're you know if, if you're getting put off by the standard um, keyboard input. I, I will say actually this is one of the areas that does kind of annoy me about Symbian now, having used you know other keyboards on other devices. I think it's fair to say Symbian isn't necessarily as advanced as those. Yeah. And so, and because it's such a big area, you know, putting stuff into the device, you know, the 808, for example, has a really fantastic screen. And I always kind of regard screens and then input, whether that's with a QWERTY keyboard, a physical one or an on-screen one, as the two really important things. And it's actually the one thing that kind of puts me off using the 808 for kind of, say, answering an email or, you know, text message, really short stuff, fine. You, know, you can learn to yeah. live with it. But for longer stuff, it is a bit of a pain. And uh, I kind of hesitate to say this on a Symbian podcast with, uh, I'm sure, lots of Symbian fans listening, but it's actually the one thing that really hurts when I switch back to a Symbian device. Yeah, yeah, of course, you could always switch back to your E6 and have the full keyboard. Of course, and if I go to the <laughs> E6, I suddenly go, why am I using these on-screen keyboards? And uh, I would love to have another QWERTY device. It's actually, incidentally, why the Q10 um, really intrigues me. I actually saw the hardware for that back at MWC, really solidly put together, very reminiscent of those sort of E6 and E71 uh, series of devices. Um, so... I kind of hope that that will be a success and that other manufacturers go, oh, maybe we need to do QWERTY keyboards after all. Yeah, amen to that. Um, right, another story. This is, uh, this is a happy accident. Sebastian Brandstrom, who developed various Symbian software, including CoverUp, which basically fills in all the missing album art from your music player and your Symbian smartphone, he went mountain biking and, and he had a nasty accident. He was laid up in hospital a few weeks poor so if you're listening sebastian i, I presume you're better now but the, the happy accident here is that while he was in hospital he had he thought well i'll get on with some projects and he get, got on with fixing cover-up which he'd been putting off for months so cover-up which was working a year or two back um and then he experimented with a qml version which was basically ran out completely out of memory due to restrictions and Qt and qml 
Um, and then it, the whole thing stopped working because Amazon, I think, changed something their end. And Cover Up basically works by scraping the album art off the Amazon store listings for the different uh, um, music albums. So he's now fixed it. You're looking for version 2.4.0. It's in the Nokia store. If you've previously bought it, just go to the uh, store listing and you should be able to re-download it and you get the new version. And it works absolutely brilliantly. Um, I think they, they get around any memory restrictions. I think that you first see all the album art covers. Um, they come up in black and white. Well, that's not right. I want color. But just for the while it's downloading, once it's actually saved them all to the um, to your music player, they all come up in glorious color. So highly recommended. And uh, yes, a happy accident, Rafe. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know the backstory to that one, so I hope uh, Sebastian is feeling better. But I'm sure there's plenty of um, album art appreciating uh, music fans out there who are. Uh, are pleased in a perverse way uh, but yeah cover up I, i've always been impressed by this because it's a good example of you know scratching an itch because i know this is something uh, sebastian wrote initially because he wanted to fix his own album art and you know it's co-wired i suspect the scraping of amazon isn't entirely legitimate but we'll uh, keep quiet about that one and just say uh, this is a great app and for three pounds as a way of fixing all your album art which of course you can do manually and there are actually a couple of other applications that do something similar uh, in the Nokia store but yeah well worthwhile uh, one final item of, of software uh, rafe explore now you've probably been using explore since about 1855 <laughs> it's one of the oldest symbian applications it's a file manager of course started out i think i first used it on things like the n70 back in the day and that was been 2005 um really really powerful it lets you get into all the the innards of your symbian phone's file system you may know that the built-in file manager only shows you the bits it wants to show you not all the you know private folders and the system folders uh, explore shows you 95 percent of the system folders and bits and pieces on your smartphone everything you can legitimately get into technically uh, and it also adds things like um picture previewers file previewers zip manager and it gives you information about your, your free ram and it's basically been fully working shareware all this time. I hope the developers had some registrations and purchases along, along the way. I'd like to think he's had a few thousand at least. But uh, he's finally made it complete freeware, recognizing the fact that the Lonely Planet, Lonely Planet, Lonely Cat Games, that's right, Lonely Cat Games has moved on now to Android and other platforms. So he's gradually making his Symbian titles freeware. So do grab Explore. I guess we should be watching for Profimail and others going freeware in the near future. Yeah, I think that's quite likely. I, I was just looking through our archive for content here, Steve, and uh, the first time that we mentioned Explorer on the website, as far as I can see, is uh, when we were viewing it, the, actually the UIQ version, that's the version that Motorola and Sony Ericsson used, the, sorry, the version of Symbian, I should say, and that was reviewed on uh, May the 14th, 2007, but I know it had been around a little bit before then. It kind of came with Profimail, which was, a, as you say, a third-party email client, and yes, it's uh, lasted all this time. It's now available free uh, if you do need to get into a file manager that does a bit more. I mean, it's also effective because it uses the kind of space on the screen more effectively than the built-in file manager, mainly by reducing down the font size. So you might need to squint a bit. And of course, those extra features you were talking about in terms of zip and some search stuff as well. Um, so well worth uh, downloading. As you say, version 1.6 is now available free um, from the download page. Yeah, you don't have to squint. It's worth mentioning one of the great features about Explorer is that in the configuration menu, you can change everything about the, the, the size of the dialogue, the size of the fonts, the size of the different UI elements, and you really can make it look exactly as you want it. So that might take a few minutes, but it's well worth it. And if you've got slightly less than 2020 vision as I have, then just the, the default tiny, tiny tap spots where you have to tap within one millimeter of a particular element, it becomes almost impossible. 
with the, by changing the whole UI to be larger, you can make it much more usable. Ah, there we go. I've always used it in the smallest version and sort of muttered. You youngster. Ah, yeah, I know, but I, I think I might go and fiddle with those settings because I've had that uh, problem with hitting the right touch target. But yeah, good example of, um, well, different people need different things, shall we say. Yeah, and when you're moving a critical file from one folder to another, you really don't want to miss the tap by one millimeter and have it go in a totally different folder and things not work. So yeah, it's, yes. all, it's all this file stuff, Steve. It's far too complicated. Let's have lots of smartphones where you don't have a file operating system. You can't move files about. You can't drag in. Oh, maybe not, actually. What you need is a Windows phone, right? Well, exactly. Um, yeah, joking aside, it's actually one of the things that's interesting about uh, smartphones that's come in, you know, this idea of not having a file system and just having it available when you open the app and you get the files that you want. Actually, I can see the point of it, and I think uh, most people would sort of go, yes, it does make things easier to use. But there's actually now kind of a move coming back almost the other way, saying, I just want that little bit extra control. I need to be able to get at files or copy them on and off the device more easily. And I think that's come as people start to use smartphones more and more as kind of not replacements for computers, but they expect to be able to do work on the road and other elements of this. So it's just kind of, I've noticed with interest, there's kind of almost been full circuit on this. And uh, so this Explore Game Freeware isn't really related to this, but the idea that you wanting to be able to access the file system, I guess Steve was right all the time. <laughs> you heard it here first. Now, um, staying with platforms, one final point I wanted to chat about was the platform breakdowns. We had some statistics from the Mobler application and its developer, name Hugo, basically looking at the breakdown of the downloads according to reported device and reported platform over the last few years. And we put a pretty chart, pretty chart up on the site. And the surprise here, Rafe, is that there's still quite a few S60 third edition and Symbian 1 stroke Symbian 3 devices, um, all still downloading applications so to such an extent that two thirds of all the downloads of Mobler and whether it's a typical application or not is another matter. The two-thirds of the downloads aren't from Symbian Bell class devices. They're from much older devices, perhaps even going back as far, according to Hugo statistics, that a third of them are still on S60 third edition non-touch phones, which I think is really surprising. It is. I mean, Mobler is perhaps a slightly unique application, although we did get some data from other developers that sort of back up this uh, to an extent. Uh, but Mobler is unusual in that it is available right back to those older devices. And one of the points I made, you know, we haven't actually got the full statistical picture here. We don't actually know how many of the kind of the total downloads are going on. So it could be a relatively small number of devices generating this. But even so, you know, kind of still an interesting statistical breakdown. I think some of the things that you read into it, Steve, maybe were a little more than I'd be comfortable doing so. But we'll get on to those in a minute. But one of the things, of course, with this is that if you look at the number of apps available, available for um, S60 third edition in the store it's actually significantly less than that's available for um, Symbian 1, 3 and Symbian Bell and so for apps that are available I suspect you know basically they're easier to find so they're more yeah. likely to get downloaded so I suspect in this instance you'll actually see for apps available across all the different platforms um, S60 third edition will if you like be overrepresented. Um, you know, but people talk about, you know, are, are they still available? Well, yes, they are. And part of the reason for this is some of the devices until quite recently or even now are still being sold. The the C5 is a device that's a good example of that. Um, 
and there are plenty of people who are still using the older devices. Honestly, I'm a bit surprised that they're still downloading software, but, but there you go. Um, it's probably fair to say that a lot of them have become secondary devices and you know, I guess would fall into that category as occasionally using the, an old device. Although, honestly, I can't quite remember when I last used a 63rd edition device, apart from just looking at one sit, sitting in a drawer. Um, but obviously there are people who are out there and you certainly when you're out and about I still see the odd N95 being used which always makes me smile you know, kind of five years on I guess it says something about the durability of those devices but you know people listening to this podcast you know, chances are they've moved on to a more recent device although I, I wouldn't be surprised let us know if you're an N95 listener listening into this podcast <laughs> um, but of course a lot of people do hold on to their phone for longer I mean we talk about phone life cycles when trying to estimate the install base um, and this is where Steve and I differ slightly on our, our estimates but of course for everyone who holds on to a device for the average which may be two years they're going to be someone who has it just for a few months and then there's someone who's going to have it for six or seven years and of course if you're talking about six or seven years you're comfortably getting back to the N95 and even earlier devices. Yeah, it's, it's fair to say that my conclusions, which I was kind of extrapolating Hugo's figures up across the entire ecosystem, which perhaps was a, a bit of a stretch, it's fair to say that my conclusions were somewhat bombastic, shall we say, in terms of, rah, 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 Symbian, go Symbian, which is fair enough, because I was writing on all about Symbian, and I was just trying to put a, 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 a positive spin on some of the, the numbers that I was producing. The I think going back, for, going back four years in terms of calculating the, the install base was perhaps reaching, overreaching slightly. <laughs> I used to use two years and three years as my two charts, and I think they're probably much more representative. I, I did say with a four-year running, uh, running summation, there are still as many sim active Symbian users on the planet as there are iPhone users, mm. which I think even common sense would probably tell you isn't quite right. So maybe that three-year figure was right after all. Yeah, I mean, I, I always use a two-year figure because that's the one I've seen in a couple of uh, market research and other bits and pieces. And actually, you arrive at a, a more realistic figure of about 100 million devices whereas uh, Steve was sort of postulating well 250 million plus devices and uh, as much as uh, I like Symbian I, I can't quite be that enthusiastic about it I mean particularly if you go into any of the developed markets the number of Symbian devices you see out and about in public now is, is pretty rare there are a lot more Android and iPhone devices out there go into other markets and you'll probably find things are a little bit more even actually Italy is probably a, a good example of that it's only recently that the sales have dropped off to sort of being just a few percent uh, up until about this time last year they were you know about two in ten of the devices smartphones being sold were still symbian devices and that's true of some of the emerging markets as well uh, there was should we say some robust discussion in the comments mm -hmm. for this particular piece um and as i said but yeah fair enough uh, Steve, if you were being maybe uh, you had the glass not just half full, but it was half full and you were putting some more water in it at the same time. But uh, that's fair enough. It's all about Symbian. So we're allowed to allowed to do that every now and then. But uh, yeah, as, if you do go and read this article, maybe just uh, consider all sides of it. Yeah, it's worth also noting that when I talk about a, quote, active user, that, that, that word active can mean a hundred different things. The, on the one hand, extreme, you have an active uh, Symbian user using an S sixty third edition device from four years ago maybe someone who had a hand me down to a to a old partner who's then handed it down to a teenager and they may experiment by downloading a couple of Java games that still counts as an active user but it, it's obviously not the same sort of active as someone who's just got an iPhone five and they're downloading a hundred applications a week so there there are many different definitions of active and I guess that's where the installed base figures also go go slightly skew if 
That's right. I mean, I would say the install base, I think you can say is 100 million. And of those who are actually active downloading apps, I think it's a, a much smaller portion. Because I think at least some of those 100 million will be kind of secondary devices. And I suspect that would apply to some of the people at least listening to this podcast or their partners or their friends and family, as you say. Uh, just looking at the download numbers that are being generated by Nokia Store, there's still a substantial number of devices out there. You know, make no mistake. Uh, and Steve did rightly point out that it's, you know more than the number of Windows Phone devices out there. But that's probably going to change rapidly in the next 12 months, and I think that that crossover will happen. Um, I think the actual crossover for you know downloads will probably happen before then, because um, certainly the numbers I've seen indicate that people are downloading more apps, far more apps on Windows Phone android and ios device and symbian's uh, quite a bit behind i think that's partly a reflection of the nature of the device and the reflection of the nature of the ecosystem yeah but if there's a takeaway from this article other than steve's um too bombastic <laughs> the takeaway surely is the fact that that there are more um s65 edition and s63 edition devices out there still being used than you might think it's very tempting even in the symbian world the rarefied symbian world you think oh well everyone's obviously got an n8 or an e7 or an 808 or on E6 by now, but in actual fact, you're outnumbered by all the older devices, which are still being used by teenagers and people in other other developing markets, etc. So uh, we're going to carry on reporting across the entire Symbian world, old, mid, and new. And uh, I, I'm very keen to go back to S63 edition, even once once or twice a year, and produce something special for them. Because I still think that's, uh, that there's someone out there to read those articles. Right? Oh, and if that's a price of Steve being bombastic, I think those happy will be very happy users. Uh, but yes, you're right. You know, you have to consider it's these old devices have more legs than you realise. It's because, as I say, although the average might be two years, you do get these outliers. And you know, I regularly see N95s being used and the other device i see an awful lot is the 5800 and it's kind of relatives things like the 5230 i mean that's partly because they sold in much larger numbers than most people realize certainly way more than the 808 where it's a, a relative rarity to see an 808 i mean basically it's when you run into a fellow geek that you happen to know <laughs> um, i think that's when you spot them i still quite frequently see some of those older sort of s65th edition devices it was when they they launched in sort of symbian one and uh, subsequent to that um as I say, I, I did notice a N95 on the train just, just last week, um, and it's probably the device I see most frequently apart from, um, as I say, those uh, kind of first generation of touch devices. I quite often see things like an E71 or E72. Well, I say quite often, once a week. <laughs> but they're, they're clearly out there as well, and it's clearly quite popular. And I echo Rafe's Indeed. sentiments on the form factor earlier. Uh, we're running long, Rafe. I guess we'd better say goodbye, but we will be back in a couple of weeks, won't we? Indeed we will, because we've got some discussion points we didn't get to this time which we'll make sure we include in the next podcast right but until then thanks very much for listening and tuning in this has been the all about symbian insight podcast and goodbye for now <laughs>